Welcome to A Field Guide to Forgiveness. My name is Malcolm Gordon and this is our last episode, at least for a while. I set out on this journey hoping I could learn to let some things go, which I've been lugging around for years. I've been interviewing friends who have found their way towards forgiveness, often through a lot of pain and false starts, but always for the better. No one I've spoken to has regretted forgiving. Everyone I've spoken to has regretted the time they've spent on the alternatives. That's got to mean something. On Good Friday, I was interviewed on Newstalk ZB, New Zealand's number one radio station, about my journey, and it might help frame this episode to hear that conversation here. We join Frank and Jax interviewing little old me. We're going to have a chat with Reverend Malcolm Gordon. Uh, Malcolm is the minister of First Church, Presbyterian Church in Dunedin. We're going to have a little bit of a clip from his podcast, The Field Guide to Forgiveness. Uh, We're going to play this clip. We're going to pick it up uh, where we're joining Malcolm's discussion with his guest a few minutes after she asked him to hold a glass of water at arm's length while they continued their conversation. Here's how it played out. Arm still heavy? Um, yeah, I'm. I was wondering when you were next going to check in because I was hoping okay. I could tell you so about. So it's sort of weighing down a bit more. The the top of the arm now. I suppose that's the bicep and the shoulder muscle is now joining in the chorus of query yeah. about. And I would say it's becoming um, a bit more urgent. So are you more conscious of it now? I am barely listening to what you're saying. Okay, so. <laughs> um, I'll get you to put it down. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> so really, that cup was holding water? Yeah. What it was actually holding was the pain. Right. The pain that we carry around with us. Yeah. And we carry it, and we carry it, and we carry it. And we're carrying it, like, at this distance from ourselves. Yeah, and we don't, th- don't realise. We can't get rid of it. It's just a cup of water. Yes, you know? it's not that much, and you look at it, it's, it's actually only half a cup of water. Exactly. Yeah. But you felt that pain? Yes, I did. So imagine the pain that you may be feeling if you've been hurt, if you've been wronged, and we just keep on carrying it and we keep on carrying it. And the person that did this to you, they're not feeling it. They're not carrying it. Yeah. They don't care. They don't give a stuff. They don't. Your pain doesn't even register for them. This is such an important topic because I think so many people are walking around with that heaviness and that pain and struggling to let it go. And that comes out in many different ways. So I think this is a good chat to have. So Malcolm, I really appreciate you taking time out on your Good Friday afternoon to have this conversation. Might help if I actually talk into you. Yeah, that's right. Malcolm, I, I was doing a little bit of research this morning. I actually just randomly chose that specific episode of your podcast um, yeah. to listen to. It just the analogy of that cup of water is such a good one. I really yeah. loved your honesty with your struggle and forgiveness. <clears throat> Shall we start there? Yeah, sure. Um, I appreciate that, uh, Jax. I mean, I guess there's no point 
um, pretending. You know, I guess as a pastor of a church, there can be a bit of pressure to sort of feel like you've got things together. You're up in front of people. You're asking um, them to, you know, to live their lives the way that they, the best way they can, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but uh, I, look, I've found that this this podcast has opened so many conversations with people, and it started with me putting my hand up and saying, "I don't know how to do this. I know that I should." But should isn't actually um, any kind of instructional help uh, or guidance. It's if if it's just left, left as a should, it actually becomes an expectation. It becomes condemnation. Um, and yeah, so by starting out with a a real place of oh, I need help, <laughs> it's been really fruitful. Yeah. Malcolm, uh, just to be really honest, this this topic is a big one. I feel this one personally, as probably many mm. people will for various reasons. But for me, it is about my dad. And it took a long right. time. And it's still an ongoing journey. I'm 46 years old. My dad took off when I was a few months old. And there's a story wow. there. But it's taken yep. years to think through what forgiveness might look like. And mm. at 46 mm. years old, I'm still playing that out. So I'm really interested to know one of the things that you've owned up to or the premise that you've owned up to that is the premise of the podcast is the fact that you don't know how to forgive and it's a struggle to forgive where did you first notice that inability to forgive impacting your work as a church pastor because as ministers this is critical to who we are and what we do yeah i probably noticed that when um the disconnect between what i would present i was okay at appearing forgiving I could I could play the role of of a of a forgiving pastor of a of a grown up who was was able to let these things go, but I noticed the gap between what I was presenting to the world around me and what I was experiencing on the inside. And as I held that gap, um, it was like the gap between the cup and my body. As it, the longer I held that gap, the harder it became, and I was working running between these two selves: the self that I wanted people to see, where I was mature and sophisticated and enlightened and able to to be bigger than this stuff and and let it roll off my back Um, and the self who was actually really wounded and really offended and really upset and couldn't get past this and kept coming back to it and wanting to show it to people and say, can you believe they did this? Um, And and that that really, that exhausted me. Um, And it was that experience. Um, So it didn't come out in a big big public way. It was just this, uh, this weariness. I actually, I came to it out of exhaustion not out of some, I came to the need for forgiveness out of exhaustion, not some enlightenment or you know, some moment of epiphany, but just it was too hard carrying on, running between these two selves. Was there, was there any specific moment that, that prompted it or was it just that over, overwhelming exhaustion? I think I saw there was a specific event. Um, so, you know, Frank has his story with his dad. I, I've got a story um, where I got hurt by somebody who I uh, thought could have done a better job than what they did. Um, and I noticed the way that that story stayed with me. And I would lie awake at night and I would replay what happened over and over and over um, if it was an analog cassette tape, it would have gotten all stretched and wobbly at the front the way that they used to because I listened to it so many times. And I would analyze what they did and what I did and how wrong it was that, and what ought to have happened and what I would say when I got my moment. To, and, and I was like, man, here, I'm, I'm stuck in the story. It's dictating my life to me. I, 
what can I do? And I can't let it go. I, I know that forgiveness is what I need, but I don't even know how you start. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really what drove me on this quest. And I met a few people, um, uh, one of whom was Kim, who you heard um, talking uh, earlier in that clip, who, who seemed to have got a bit of a handle on forgiveness. And so I went into this not sort of secretly knowing the answer, like, oh, and here's one I prepared earlier, but actually genuinely wanting to get to the bottom of this. So um, it was a real personal quest for me. There's something in there that I think most of us can probably relate to, Malcolm, that idea of something rolling around in our head and it just grows and it just festers and it just works, it wheedles its way in there. And that, that, as you mentioned, is exhausting and tiring. I'd be really interested to know, physically for you, what did that exhaustion and that tiredness from the lack of being able to forgive, what did that physically look like for you? Oh man, like let's talk about not being able to sleep. <laughs> um, let's talk about you know anxiety and stress um, and uh, uh, like resentment and bitterness. They are not healthy things to carry around with you. You know these are not um, companions that you want with you on the journey. I would um, it relationally, if, if in, in a conversation, if I got the smallest opportunity to tell my sob story, then you know buckle up and I hope you brought popcorn because we're going to be you know you, I'm taking 45 minutes of your life whether you're giving it to me or not. You know, and I, I started noticing that about myself. I was like, man, get a grip. This you know um, you're telling your story even when it doesn't need to be told, and and you're meant to be trying to forgive it, not rehearse it. Um, and so it was starting to dictate terms to me and. And I wanted to know how I could take my life back. And I noticed that these people who I'd met who could forgive, how they actually regained their agency. They regained being able to author their own lives. Whereas me, I was I was stuck being um, directed by this thing that had happened to me. I was like pursuing revenge and and justification and validation. Um, and, and I really wasn't in charge of, of things anymore. Um, and so it worked out in all sorts of unhealthy and unhelpful ways. Have you discovered through putting the um, the podcast, A Field Guide to Forgiveness, together, is there a cookie-cutter kind of a methodology to it, to forgiveness? Is it a step one, step two, step... How does it, how does it work? Well, I mean, yeah, great question. I mean, I think there's a complexity to every human story, which means that there's always going to be nuance and there's always going to be a, a, a uniqueness. At the same time, there are some things that I've, I seem to have noticed in each person's story. Um, one of those is is try. there needs to be a certain distance from what's happened. Somebody can't um, uh, experience abuse or trauma or neglect um, you know, of a significant level, and then the next day start talking to them about forgiveness. And in many ways, particularly those who have been in a, a, a church context or a faith tradition, I think sometimes forgiveness has been used unhelpfully, like um, perhaps partners have been encouraged to stay in abusive relationships. You know, just forgive them. That's the Christian thing to do, actually. Um, that's a really dangerous thing to do. Um, and forgiveness, one of the things I've learned is that forgiveness doesn't presume reconciliation. Um, forgiveness doesn't press rewind to go back to before it happened and pretend like it didn't. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Mm. And so there's been a few things that I've been able to nuance. But one of the things that is, is important, it seems to be important to start the process, is to develop curiosity about the person who who hurt you um, to the point where you can understand something of their story so that you can get to a point, not where you justify what they did, 
but where you can understand maybe why it was a course of action that they took. You know, in Kim's story that we heard earlier, she talks about her mum, who was not a great mum, but she came to this point where she she interrogated and became inquisitive about her mum's story, and she realised, oh, my mum. My mum had a terrible upbringing. She was doing the best that she could. Now, it wasn't good enough. She's quick to say it wasn't good enough, but it was actually the best that she could do. Now, that helped her to realise, oh, mum wasn't going out of her way to do a terrible job. Mum was doing the best that she had available to her. She just didn't have very many good options available to her because she'd had this terrible upbringing herself. And so this curiosity developed into empathy where you started to um, realise that this person wasn't out to get you. They might not have even known that they were hurting you. And often the story that we tell ourselves, it fills in blanks about um, motive and intentionality that that we that might not actually be there. We think that they're out to get us, and they probably weren't. Sometimes it can teach us a lot about ourselves if we've got that sense of curiosity as well, if we're asking those questions sort of back to, back to ourselves. I love that. Yeah. that. really That was something I wrote down, actually, was sense of curiosity. I really, really enjoyed mm. that. So mm. if... If um, if you're carrying something heavy and it's it's taking away your sleep and it's you know mm, making mm. you feel stressed, what what does forgiveness then give you in place of those things? So once you've gone through the process of forgiving someone, what are the those negatives replaced by, or how does that manifest when you've forgiven someone? So one of the important things is that, I mean it's, it's not sort of not really flicking a switch. You do actually when we're telling that story over and over again, what's that? What that's telling us is that we do we do need to be heard. Now often we think we need to be heard by the person who hurt us, and this has been one of the really big learnings for me. And my the, my big story that's in, in my in my mind when I think about forgiveness, I kept on imagining me telling the person who hurt me what they did. And as I went on, I realized they were the last person in the world who could, the person who hurt me was not going to be the person who could heal me mm. because they, we didn't have the relationship that could cope with that kind of conversation. They didn't have the self-awareness or the capacity to deal with my hurt as well as a significant amount of their own hurt that I now see they were going through. And so I realized, oh, I need to tell my story, but it's not going to be to that person. So I need to be heard by somebody and I need them to validate that what happened to me was really awful and really wrong and it should have happened and that, I, and that my hurt um, is legitimate and then I need to be able to add to that story that I forgive them so that I actually, this is what blows my mind about forgiveness, by forgiving I get to change the story if I don't forgive, the story stays fixed and it dictates life to me it tells me I'm going to keep pursuing um, validation and revenge and you know it writes the script but if I forgive I open up a new possibility for me. I get to decide what happens next. And when I remember that hurt, I remember this addendum. That happened to me, and then I, then I let them go. Then I forgave them. And, and I, get to, I get to happen rather than just life happening to me. I get to happen to life. And that's what forgiveness brings. It brings agency. It brings dignity. It brings possibility, not just for myself, but for the person who hurt me. Um, I open up new possibilities for them as well. Malcolm, this is, this is a conversation we could have for a very long time, which is why you've got a, a podcast out, if you're guide yeah. to forgiveness. But as a minister, you've undertaken this journey during Lent. So uh, just from your faith perspective, I'd be really mm. interested to know how it's, uh, how it's made you or changed how you think about Easter in particular, mm. since forgiveness is the heart of the Easter yeah. story. 
Yeah, that's a great question, Frank. I just in the the interview I did earlier this week, the the episode went live um, on Thursday, and the it happened in the conversation. I had this epiphany where I had been thinking about divine forgiveness, God's forgiveness towards people, kind of being just this thing that happened. God forgives because God is forgiving, and it's not hard for God because God's really good at it. God doesn't have to think about it or go through a process, and therefore it's kind of um, not that meaningful, if you know what I mean, because it's so easy for God. And um, then I realized, oh, as I delved into this idea of developing curiosity and inquisitiveness and empathy and um, opening up possibilities for the future. And one person spoke to us about forgiveness is about taking a wider view, recognizing that this person who hurt you cannot be defined or understood just by that act, that there's a whole backstory that explains or or goes some way to helping us understand why they did what they did. And what forgiveness does is it opens up the possibilities for their future rather than condemning them to being that kind of person who does that kind of thing, you know, in our minds. And so as I started to think about what forgiveness was like for me, I started to, to imagine that maybe that's what forgiveness is like for God. Maybe God is not just forgiving because it's in the job description. He's like, oh, well, you know, like I'm known for this, so I better go, I kind of get better do it for everybody. But actually God forgives because God knows. God has empathy. God understands that this act that we've done is not the not the be all and end all of who we are, but understands the choices and the and the hurt that have brought us to a place where that seemed like the best thing we could do at the time. And God holds out the possibility of of fresh opportunities and a fresh future that's not defined by our worst moments. And and that has been and thinking about, you know, the Easter story and, and Jesus on the cross he says about the people who have who've crucified him, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. And you get this glimpse of of God holding out a, a future that's not defined by the worst things that we do. These are not people who are even asking for forgiveness. And yet here is um, Jesus offering it and asking for it on their behalf. And uh, that's been really um, revelatory for me in terms of, of opening up the concept of divine forgiveness as I've explored it and then begun to wonder, well, maybe it's, if it's rich for me, maybe it's even richer for the way that God forgives. Maybe God... Um, doesn't think that we deserve punishment. Maybe God knows that what we need is is compassion and healing and restoration and a community of belonging where we can make sense of who we are and the hurtful things that have happened to us and then and then build from there. So yeah, it's been rich. I would imagine. Hey, just to close it out with something really frivolous, I don't have to forgive people who make custard hot cross buns the way. Uh, obviously <laughs> not. Um, but I mean, there's a line. there's a line and there it is hey Malcolm it's been a pleasure hanging out sorry sorry to close it on on that note after you said all that wonderful deep and meaningful stuff Uh, if you do want to check out that podcast you can get it on all your favourite podcast apps a field guide to forgiveness and trust me whether you have a faith or not it's well worth listening to if there's stuff that you're holding on to you simply need to let it go not everybody he talks to in the podcast has a faith so hopefully it's accessible for everybody. I want to close it out with one more clip. So here's a part of Malcolm's conversation with Presbyterian Minister Daryl Tempero, who explains that forgiveness is uh, like letting go of the other person's throat. And there was a quote that just captured me. I was talking to the main character saying, forgiveness is not about forgetting, Mac. It's about letting Mm. go of the other person's throat. And I Mm. knew in my head that we are better off 
And of course, the theory, the theory is great, yeah. but come on, it's emotional stuff. And yep. so it's just hard. But letting go of the other person's throat, that was quite, that again, I guess mm. images work really well for me. And so I'm going, mm. okay, I'll let go of their throat. And then the following bit was forgiveness does not establish relationship. It's to, re and so, you know, this pressure, I've got to talk to that person and reconcile. I mean, that mm. is often in a Christian narrative as well, but it's, but that's never, yeah. they're not, they're not together and they shouldn't be. It's abusive to force mm. people into that. Mm. Uh, sorry to sound so certain, but it's, it's true to me. It, you don't sound that certain, uh, Daryl. But yeah. it is it is to release you from something that will eat you alive, that will destroy yeah. your soul mm. and your ability to love fully and openly. After the interview, they took texts and calls from listeners. One of the texters had this to say. We are hearing Jax read it out. Here we go. Why should you forgive someone for their bad, abusive, unjust behaviour or criminal, violent or damaging behaviour? They are the ones who need to ask for the victim's forgiveness. Those bullies or even criminal behaviour are not worthy of the victim's forgiveness, as in you are justifying their wrong behaviour. Don't ever be affected by not forgiving a person like that. You should never carry any burden for not forgiving others. Those need to seek forgiveness from their victims, and if you give them forgiveness, you very verify what they have done. So. so apparently I didn't win everyone over. That's good to remember. I think I'm pretty reasonable, but some people's pain might be too raw to consider forgiveness. Or maybe forgiveness feels like they're letting too much go while they seem to be getting nothing in return. Forgiveness can't be someone else's decision. It can't be forced on us. At one point, this person argues that no one should ever make us feel bad for not forgiving. I wonder if I made them feel stink. It reminds me to go gently with my new insights around forgiveness. I've had years to come around to the idea of getting rid of these burdens, and now I want to, I genuinely do. I just need help with the how. My identity isn't tied up with those wounds anymore. But if it were, I'd probably be snarling at anyone who suggested I moved on. It's probably a good idea to remember that not everyone is going to be ready to forgive. It has to be something we arrive at. That texter sounded hurt, and without reading too much into their message, they sounded angry too. I was talking to my dad the other day, and he said, you know that old saying, he who angers you controls you? And I said, no, where have you been hiding that gem all these years? The one who angers us controls us. I don't know if you watch rugby, but there's a guy who has played for the Hurricanes and the All Blacks for years called Dane Coles. And this is how he plays rugby. He gets opposition players angry at him. He's always grinning and making smart comments and chipping away at them. And then some guy on the other team snaps and has a go at him. And there are yellow cards and sometimes red ones. And still, Dane Coles is grinning away. And I've just realized, because when he knows he can make them angry, he knows he's in control. He's worked out where the buttons are, and now he's just pushing them however he likes. For years, he has really annoyed me as a player, and now I'm sort of in awe of him, but still with a fairly large helping of frustration. Now, when it comes to forgiveness, the person who hurt us might not even know that they did. Dane Coles knows that he's making you angry, and he's enjoying it. Hopefully most of us aren't dealing with someone in our lives who is enjoying winding us up. But the larger lesson still holds. If someone or something they did is making us angry, at some level they are controlling us. That person or that act is controlling how we think, 
how we act, how we are directing our lives and our energy. Yet we can cultivate this narrative that they don't deserve forgiveness. Maybe they don't. Maybe with all of the encouragement to develop empathy and curiosity, there is nothing in their background or upbringing that makes any sense of what they have done. Maybe they're just mean and they enjoy it. Maybe they don't deserve forgiveness. But the question remains, do we deserve bitterness? Do we deserve being stuck, holding on to this anger, which we feel duty-bound to keep feeling until they have been brought to justice? Just today, someone said to me, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Wow. (laughs) I've been drinking poison. No one else is dying here except me. I've got to give this up. And actually, I am giving this up. Thank God. Thanks, Kim. Thank Jeff, Murray, Tana, Alofa, Daryl. And thanks, Phil. Happily, not all those who called after listening to my interview were quite so opposed to forgiveness. This bloke called Philip called in, and it sounds like he was ready to let some things go. Let's tune back in and hear what he has to say. Yeah, afternoon. How you doing? Very good, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Um, all right. Um, I just wanted to uh, call up and say I've been listening to you guys, um, and I, I, the fellow that uh, was talking about forgiveness, Malcolm, I, I, I thought that was quite good, and I think that I've um, that kind of helped me sort of uh, recognise something there about forgiveness, and because I. Um, I could sort of relate to what he's talking about because I sort of I have depression. I have um, problems with depression and um, and uh, uh, alcohol and things like that. And uh, and I think part of that is and where it touched the bell for me is I'm ve- I was very much like well I suppose I still am, but he's moved on, been able to move on. But when he said I couldn't, uh, um, I can't forgive like he can appear to be. Like that on the outside, but inside you still see them. And I thought, well, that's, yeah, I can understand that. So it was interesting listening to him. And I think some of the words and uh, what he was saying, and I'll try and hunt out his podcast at some time to listen to the whole thing, kind of made me realize that it might be able to help me to move on and learn how to forgive. Because like your female um, com- um, companion was saying you on the radio that, uh, when that person sent in a text saying, oh, it's all very well saying that, but uh, forgiving the other person and, and that, is, um, like she said, it's a, a, it made me sort of realise too that it's not about forgiving the other person as such, it's, it's for you. So you, like the fellow was saying, can then begin to move on and live a life mm-hmm. um, rather than being held and captivated by the... In, um, you know, the re- wanting the revenge and thinking all the time, playing it like a loop in your head over years and years and not realising how these things affect you, your everyday life and your decisions and everything too, you know, and you carry them with you. And it's, yeah, like that. Um, pulling, yeah. pulling you back, pulling you back from being all you can be and enjoying your life and that because you don't realise that you're, like the fellow was saying, he would take an opportunity to try and talk about um, the thing that hurt him and that before he realised that, oh, hey, hang on, here I am sort of off again. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? I, sometimes I can't explain myself. Very no, well. no, I'm here. I'm exactly hearing you very you well, mm. Philip. And I just want to just want to be really clear because I know that we're getting some text messages really pushing against this idea of forgiveness. And we're not demanding of any anything of anybody here. We're also not uh, asking people to think that anything that's happened to them is okay and that people shouldn't face consequences. Yeah. Yeah. But I, th- I think you've captured it really well. There's that part of us where if we don't learn to let go is just being eaten up and it holds us and it has a really negative effect on who we are. So if we don't find some way to let go and forgive, it's going to continue to eat us up. So uh, again, I'm not demanding anything of anybody, but if anything's got out of anything out of this hour and this chat about forgiveness that enables them to move on and to let some of that stuff go then, Job done. And to hear you reflect that, Philip, um, warms my heart. I'm really yeah. glad that you got this something is... out of it that's helpful. Yeah, because I'm, I, cause I, I'm I, you know, I'm like, if I can do it, then um, the old sort of saying, if I can do it, you can do it sort of thing, because I'm one of those guys, I find it very hard to forget about things, and I'm a real dweller, and that's part of the problem with forgiveness too. So for me to forgive and even think about it as something that's really difficult, you know. I even have trouble saying sorry to somebody, you know, because I see it as a form of weakness and mm-hmm. on my part, letting them know that they've got to me, you know, and I don't want to show them that as well as already being hurt sort of thing. So, but then I, I, I'm just I'm just sort of kind of realising, well, I'm being a fool to myself as well. Like you say, you don't forget it or... You forgive it for yourself, I guess, in a, mm-hmm. in a way for you to um, make a better life for you, you know, and, and fulfil your potential and that sort of thing. So, yeah, so because like I say, I, I'm, I'm a real like, oh, if you've done something wrong with to me, you know, it's not right until I wrong, you know, revenge or an eye for an eye sort of thing. But that too can have its... Um, that too can drag you down without even realising and be a very negative thing on for you as well, you know? Yeah, if, if that's how everybody played out the wrongs that were done to us, Philip, the world would be a dark, violent place. And in too many quarters, it is a dark, violent place. So it takes those of us who don't want a dark, violent world to sometimes take the hit and move on. And it's like building a muscle. When I think about my dad, and I really appreciate your call, Philip, when I think about my dad and what I was like as a teenager, there was a lot of me that was very angry and very upset and very hurt. Uh, and I could have just carried that for the rest of my life, but that wouldn't have done anybody any good, and the person most hurt by that would have been me. So the decision to forgive it was not an easy thing. It's something that I have to come back to regularly as well, but there's a muscle. There's a muscle being built, seeking to be curious about my father, to understand him uh, more, uh, to recognize what it was doing to me, and to learn to slowly let go. I'll be honest. That made my heart a wee bit warm. Like the host said, if that's what came out of this hour of radio, job well done. Except for me, it was, if that's what's come out of this podcast, then sweet. But forgiveness isn't just about them, it's about me. So here's the $6 question, have I learned to forgive? I think I might have, but I can't tell you how, and I can't even tell you when. But let me tell you two stories that illustrate what I mean. You might remember Jeff's story from episode 3. 
Jeff's wife told him she was going to leave their marriage of 20 years. And when Jeff, my friend, told me this, I was pretty hurt for him. I was angry with his wife. She'd hurt my friend. At no point did I think about how this situation might have been painful for her. But I spoke to Jeff, and he talked about recognising how difficult it had been for her, and how grateful he was to her for trying to make their relationship work for so long. A couple of weeks later, after I spoke to Jeff for the podcast, I saw his wife pop up on social media. It was one of those so-and-so has updated their cover photo things. And I noticed this compassion well up within me. I sent her this quick message saying that I knew the last year had been really tough and I hoped the next year would be better, full of more hope and joy. Huh. Forgiveness. And I didn't even see it arrive. The next was when I called up with Kim, our guest from episode two. She isn't one for beating around the bush. She asked me, so have you learned to forgive yet? And I found myself telling her about this person, probably the person I knew I needed to forgive. I realised how out of their depth they were. I realised that they were scared and threatened, and that because I hadn't seen that at the time, I was probably way less compassionate than I could have been towards them. I said, it's like they were drowning, and they were thrashing around in the water trying to keep their head above, and in the process they smacked me right in the face, and it really hurt, but they didn't even notice because they were fighting for their life. And I realised... They never knew they hurt me. They couldn't have known. They never asked for my forgiveness because they were too hurt themselves to notice my pain. It doesn't mean that they did a great job. It doesn't mean that they aren't responsible for their actions. But it means that I can understand what seemed so hurtful and so intentional at the time quite differently. They weren't trying to take me out. They didn't even see me. More than that, I can see that some of my behaviour towards them probably made it harder for them to stay afloat. As I was wounded, I became snarky. I wasn't at my best and neither were they. I can see there is a little less I need to forgive them for and a little more that I need to ask forgiveness for from them. So am I learning to forgive? It seems like it, but I don't really know how. It's like if I'm looking at the person or the situation that hurt me, I'm angry and nothing has changed. But if I get on with things and then notice that person or that situation again, I find that I'm in a different space and I don't remember moving. I've noticed that I try to think myself into other people's shoes more quickly these days. I was nearly knocked off my bike the other day with a car running a red light to cut me off. They had to have seen me, which made me pretty angry. But it wasn't that long before I found myself wondering, I wonder what's happening in their life for nearly killing me to be a choice that they had to make. It wasn't exactly forgiveness, but it was a long way from the fear-induced revenge rage that I could feel gathering steam when it had just happened. And of course, maybe they didn't see me, which means they are blind or distracted, but not monsters. Good perspective, Malcolm. You are nearly a grown-up. It has been really good to talk to friends from inside my faith tradition like Daryl and Alofa, Murray and Phil. And it's been really good to talk to friends from outside it too, like Kim, Jeff and Tana. Being a minister of a church sometimes feels like we are meant to have all the answers, or at least find answers that come from within the tradition. I remember reading years ago that humility is not just a virtue, 
It is the virtue, because without humility, we can't be taught anything else. Starting from a place of not knowing has meant I've been able to benefit from such rich insights that are not bound by a certain creed or worldview. There's something foundational about forgiveness, something transcendent, which suggests that when we tap into it, we're reaching back to something much older than the particular clans or cultures that we align with, back to our essential humanity, back to what it means to love and be loved, what it means to be part of a family, what it means to get it wrong and still be held, what it means to be wronged and not let it be the last word. This has been, perhaps, my most significant insight about forgiveness. If you've been listening throughout, you will have heard me mention it time and again. Forgiveness gives us back our agency when pain has taken it away. Pain can feel like a massive full stop, but forgiveness turns it into a comma or an ellipsis and allows the story to continue with our ability to live restored and our hurt restoried. Far from being an act of passivity, like we're rolling over and accepting it, forgiveness is the refusal to let the hurt define our future for it to govern our lives from here on. It is a rejection of the cycle of hurt that getting even demands and a commitment to a future that we have not yet seen but are eager to have a go at finding. People who forgive are so brave. That's what I saw in my friends like Kim and Jeff and Tana. They had all been so hurt and had every right to lick their wounds and ask the world to say they're there and give them a leave pass for making any further contribution to the universe. But they all said, no thanks. They tried bitterness for long enough and decided they didn't have a taste for it. In many cases, forgiveness has meant the end of relationships where trust was breached and reconciliation was not possible. But forgiveness has still been available to them and they were able to feel the hurt, learn empathy, bury the resentment and walk on free. Changed, but free. I want to be brave like them. And I know I haven't really been hurt like them, but also know I have to live this life. There's nothing to be gained feeling hard done by because life hasn't screwed me over enough to give me a really impressive forgiveness story. And maybe, and this is a really cheery thought, life or someone in it will still screw me over sometime and I'll need all this forgiveness stuff even more. In the meantime, I've got plenty of use for it. There are plenty of terrible drivers who don't see cyclists, people who say dumb, unthinking things, and me, who gets grumpy when he's tired and fragile. I can work on forgiving those muggles in the meantime. I hope you've found this podcast helpful. As you can tell, I have. So that's at least one of us, right? We're thinking of doing some sort of thing in a month or so. If you've enjoyed the podcast or you have some questions that have emerged or a story to tell, please email me at malcolm at firstchurchotago.org. That's M-A-L-C-O-L-M at firstchurchotago.org. In the meantime, let's learn to be curious about those who have heard us like Kim taught us. And let's be brave enough to work through the feelings and tell our stories to those who can hold them without judgment or quick solutions like Jeff told us. Let's forgive in order to open up new futures like Murray told us, and treasure ourselves enough to be kind like Tana taught us. Let's imagine the life of the other empathetically, giving them a dignified way out like Alofa taught us, and learn to go easy on ourselves like Daryl taught us. And let's remember that forgiveness takes time and it takes work and it might be the hardest and best thing we ever do like Phil taught us. And last of all, remember you're not doing this on your own. 
There are a bunch of people listening to this podcast who are trying to make forgiveness a reality in their lives, like you are, and we are all rooting for you. And like I said before, forgiveness seems to reach back past all the stuff that makes us different and divided, and offer us a way into a life that is built for the real world, not defined by divisions of right and wrong, of friends and enemies, but where we're all human, all flawed, and all loved. I'd call that the kingdom of heaven. You can call it whatever you like. But let's try and meet up there, and then we can talk some more. Sorry for getting my preach on. I hope you can forgive me. If you can't, I know this really great podcast.